0: Welcome back to another episode of The Barrel Banter. I'm your host, Peter. And David, we're back together. Finally, it's been a long time uh, coming. Appreciate all your listeners being patient uh, with us in the interim while David was traveling. But David, good to have you back.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it was good. It, it is good to be back. And it was good to have a little bit of a break. I think probably the best part was that while we were gone or while I was gone, the Brewers went 9-0 and while I was out of the country. I had people calling for me to stay there. Uh, I should have started one of those Twitter tip jars. That they have I guess we have to get the premium so you put the money up front and if people wanted to pay for me to stay there I would have welcomed <laughs> the idea and maybe the Brewers would have kept winning because they got swept by the Dodgers we were at the airport in Chicago when they lost one nothing that last game of the Dodgers series uh, right before we left we were we were waiting in the gate and then we get back to the airport in Chicago and the Brewers lose one nothing to the Cubs while we're there so clearly there was some sort of karma that we brought back with us. Usually they they say bring the weather with you or don't bring the weather with you. We brought the bad, the bad results. I guess we left them here when we were gone and then we brought them back with us.
0: Yeah. I, we should have, yeah. Twitter tip jar should have been a, we would have probably had to get a a few dollars in there to get you to be able to stay in another country a little bit longer, but uh, we would have been rooting for it. But the Brewers did have a, a pretty good run. Like you said, well, While you were gone, and we didn't get a chance to cover much of that. So we'll maybe talk a little bit about that, but that's kind of here and gone a little bit at this point for the Brewers. But, uh, David, since you did travel internationally, you you tied that right into our random player of the day. And who is that today?
1: Today's random player of the day is Nori Aoki, former Brewers, might I say, star. He was an excellent player. Very underrated career. I mean, he couldn't get a job by the time he was 35, and he was hitting still about 275. With okay speed, okay defense, I, I always thought he was underrated. Across his two years with the Brewers, he hit 287, finished fifth in NL Rookie of the Year voting in 2012. Interestingly enough, he was a pitcher until he got to college. While he was in college, they converted him into an outfielder. Maybe if this were 2022, 2023, he would have been a two-way player. They would have tried him uh, to do both, but instead they had him just transition solely to being an outfielder, and it's worked out well for him three-time NPB batting champ, one of six players with a 200s hit season in NPB, of course, came over to the majors for 6 years. His wife Sachi is a TV sports anchor in Japan, and he currently at age 41 has a 374 OBP for the Yakult Swallows in the NPB. I think he ranks in the top 10 in the Japanese Central League, so very impressive at age 41 for Noriaoki still playing even though he left the majors about six years ago and left the Brewers already about 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I remember that iconic walk-off home run that was turned into, I think it was turned into several iterations of a baseball card for him. But I had that walk-off home run uh, that I I definitely remember. And he was, we talk about guys that played in the wrong era. Obviously, Joey Gallo always comes up as a guy playing in the right era. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't still be here if it was the 70s. And and Aoki kind of had the wrong side of that because a 260 to 280 hitter lead-off hitter, good defender in right field, good speed, good baseball IQ, like that would have played for a long time and unfortunately, yeah, I think it's he was in the wrong era and I was shocked that he still couldn't get a job. But nowadays, I, I think people maybe have swung a little bit too far and don't prioritize a 270 hitter with, you know, decent at, kind of decent at everything.
1: I think it's coming back a little bit, but he kind of got yeah, caught in the middle of of the transition period where when in 2012-2013, the batting average was still being valued a little bit more than it is now. But by 2017, batting average was out and everybody was focused on the on-base and the power. And he was still getting on base. So that's the thing. I mean, he he didn't walk a whole lot, but he walked enough where he was still a valuable piece, even if you're maybe not going to play him every day. Maybe he's, uh, I I was going to say a strong side platoon, but if I remember right, he always hit lefties better than he hit righties. So he, he, he clearly had a major league role if he wanted. But at the same time, you could understand why some of those guys maybe want to play every day. And so they take opportunities. There have been some recent examples of that where they'll go back to Japan, even though they're decent MLB players after they've played a couple of years here.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment. And, and we've got it's always a little bit exciting, right, David, as we get to September and we have our September call ups used to be a lot more fun. Uh, the clubhouse was always packed. Keon Broxton, of course, was always here. Jason always. Rogers, mm-hmm. for some reason, is a name. Logan Schaefer always the, the token third catcher you always get the token yep
1: yorvi torielba we should we should do a draft sometime of september call-up third catchers yep. or just who, september
0: call-ups in general we, we could do either that's but true or some yeah there were some will nievis Yep. nevin yeah, ashley nevin ashley there we go that's blake lally for. yep yep
1: and Although, and a couple of i mean that's how martin maldonado's career got started in the majors um that's how uh, there was at least, I think guitarists maybe, maybe got started out that way. So some, some great guys unlock some memories of, of random brewers. Uh, that would be, that'd be a fun exercise to do at some point. Maybe as an off season episode, the brewers are, are a little bit too good right now for us to spend our time drafting third catchers at our former September call-ups.
0: That's probably fair, but it, I, we got to cover these, this, this breaking news, David, our September call-ups, Owen Miller and, uh, Clayton Miller, Colin Ray was technically part of that as well i know there was well, a corresponding move to hauser going to the il mm-hmm. uh yeah Bukowskis actually was
1: for hauser and then bukaskis got optioned and and ray got called up which i never realized that Bukowskis is in the majors until they option him i feel he's always on the not always on the roster but when he is on the roster he never pitches he's always just there maybe i'll see him warm up in the bullpen sometime but i for some reason i'm never actually watching when jb Bukowskis comes in so the way that I find out that Bukaskis is on the active roster is usually when I see him get optioned. So like yesterday, I saw Ray was called up and I'm oh, who'd they option? Oh, Bukaskis. I, I guess Bukowskis was on the active roster.
0: Yeah, he kind of flies under the radar. And I know we were both disappointed with the September call-ups. I don't know, there was a couple of more exciting players. I think more realistically than like a, a Tyler Black or something like that would have been perhaps Keston Hira, who many fans have been calling for. Not, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but David, we were talking a little bit about it, and people were talking about the the really strong season Kessin's put up. Like, I don't want to take that away from him, and I don't think you do either. But share with me a little bit of your thoughts on the Kessin here call up. Would you ha- first? Would you have done it either now or earlier in the year? And then, second, I guess, give me a case for why not to call Kessin here up because it seems like he's doing everything he should in AAA to get a call up.
1: I would have given him an opportunity. But I also understand it a little bit. You have to look at the greater context of it. In AAA, they have the automated strike zone. It varies. I'm not a fan of the way they're doing it. But Monday to Thursday, it's fully automated strike zone. Friday to Sunday is the challenge system. So you have a few challenges per game. And kind of like if you've watched a tennis match before, they have that little... They they challenge it. They have that little ball. Everybody does the... (laughs) The, the clapping sound That's like and nine. then and then they show on the scoreboard and the shadow comes up and boom it missed by a quarter of a millimeter so it's the same thing with the strike zone i, I don't know if they do the clapping if they don't we need to start that yes. we need we need yes. the clapping but they and have if, the and if,
0: and if you haven't if, you, if you're if you not at all a tennis fan david and i are not huge tennis fans but i uh, grew up in a family that that did enjoy tennis my dad would watch tennis still does um and i've been to some matches in my time but every time somebody challenges you get the sl- it's like the slow like David was was showing mm-hmm. the slow slow clap that turns into the fast clap as everybody's waiting for it's like a drum roll but it's it's kind of iconic so they, they definitely need to install that that's a requirement if they uh, mm-hmm. if they go to the challenge system.
1: Yeah I think they should maybe even put that in the rules that that's part of it the fan <laughs> participation uh, maybe maybe if, if you get a little docked a few points if you're the home team and you don't do that but they have that in place. And one of the things part of the strike zone that is part of the strike zone is that they took, I think, three inches off the top of the zone because they're experimenting with lowering the strike zone a little bit to maybe not fully eliminate the high fastball, but control it a little bit more. Or the high breaking ball that barely clips the top of the zone, which I understand, but it's very difficult to make that transition from AAA to the majors with a different strike zone. And there's some veteran guys who are having excellent years in AAA in part because of the strike zone. Joey Votto, when he was on rehab, even said, it's a totally different zone. I had to adjust where there were times where I'm like, this is strike, 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 strike. And then I take, and then it's a ball. And Keston Hura's biggest weakness last year, at least, was the high fastball. I think he swung and missed half of the, the high fastballs that were in the zone. And so when you take that pitch out, You wonder, are pitchers just going to attack him with it again when he gets back to the majors? Is there really a difference in Keston's performance? He has had a better year this year than he did by, I would say, by a good margin than previous years. But there is that little bit of concern, at least for me, where I'm not as confident that the results will be there if he gets called up to the majors. Do I think he maybe should have gotten a shot a month ago when they didn't really have a DH? Probably, I think so. But do I think that the Brewers are wasting away a huge talent in the organization? Maybe not necessarily.
0: And logistically, to make that happen, they would have to clear a forty-man roster spot, put him on the forty-man roster, call him up, and then if they ever wanted to send him down, he'd have to be DFA'd, and any team could could take him, like the Brewers did at the start of the season. Correct? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Although the it doesn't concern me as much, and probably wouldn't concern the Brewers as much that he's out of options because. If they don't call him up, he's going to become a minor league free agent anyways. And even if the Brewers want to add him to the roster, they'll have to put him through arbitration again. So he will make at least two point something million like he did this year. So I don't really see him having a future in the Brewers organization. The only way I saw him having a future after the DFA was if they called him up midseason and he has a very good second half. I thought maybe then Kesson will will have a role next year, but I just don't see it happening at this point.
0: Yeah. So that, this is it then. This is probably a few weeks less of left of Keston in Nashville and, and we certainly aren't going to pay him over 2 million to come back next year. So is it safe to say that it's the end of the Keston here at Eura in Milwaukee?
1: Probably. Well, in Nashville too. I in mean, Nashville. Yeah. yeah, we haven't seen right. him in the majors in, in about a year.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. But uh, kind of a, I don't know what the right word is.
1: Anticlimactic. Yeah. yeah anticlimactic, Unceremonious. Yeah.
0: There we go. That's a better word. Unceremonious. Uh,
1: he may make it into the wall of honor, though.
0: <laughs> the walk of shame. or What is that?
1: The walk of shame. <laughs> Who would be in the walk of shame? Brad well, Nelson.
0: Bob, Bob Uecker would put himself in there, probably. But... As a player. Yeah. Even though he never
1: played, it, <laughs> and he never played for the Brewers. Yeah. <laughs> Niftali right, well, Feliz. He would be... There we go. Uh, he would... Started out inaugural class. Jonathan Broxton, Niftali Feliz, and Matt Bush. Matt Bush. Bush
0: Trevor yep. Rosenthal. I, I,
1: but Rosenthal was never healthy. It might be a little bit unfair, uh, but All but Keston right. did have some good some good moments with the Brewers, so I don't want to take that away uh, from from Keston.
0: No, absolutely. Obviously, expectations were high for a guy like him too. So yeah, obviously, I say that that kidding. But in terms of transactions, actually, bigger transactions, of course, than Clayton Andrews, Owen Miller, Colin Ray, and the likes. Aaron Ashby began um, his rehab. Um, we'll see what what comes of that. It seems like kind of mixed signals in terms of whether his velo is going to be there enough for him to get on the mound this year for the Brewers or not. But more importantly, and I think more intriguing of a new story is the Brewers signing Josh Donaldson, also Greg Allen, but mainly Josh Donaldson here, um, which ties into our trivia question as well. I want to also get your thoughts on the Josh Donaldson edition. Uh, but first I will go to the trivia question, which of course we'll answer that on the end of the episode. Today's trivia question, how many former MVPs have played for the Brewers? And just to be clear, we're not counting the Brewers MVPs that won the MVP with the Brewers, but players that won an MVP outside of the Brewers and then ultimately either before or after played with the Brewers. So that answer always at the end of the episode. Um, but David, I know we have a, a couple of uh, topics to get to today Freddie Peralta's recent success, whether or not the Brewers can actually win in the postseason, and uh, the success of their offense lately. And then finally, whether or not Josh Donaldson should be recalled. So I, I just queued it all up, and then I guess I'm going to punt it to the end of the episode because we do have to get to uh, Freddie Peralta's outstanding start, uh, start to the second half, I guess. Um, NL pitcher of the month for the month of August. Since the All-Star break, break he's been one of the best, if not the best, pitchers in all of baseball, which, frankly, I had not realized myself. Um, his 2.38 ERA places him third since the All-Star break. He's been striking out guys like crazy, 2.37 fifth, 80 strikeouts, which is first in baseball. He leads the Brewers in strikeouts. So, David... Tell us maybe a little bit more about Peralta's success since the all-star break and whether he is the Brewers' most reliable starter right now, even over the likes of Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff.
1: Right now, I think he is in this immediate moment, but down the road, I, I don't know if I would say he's the most reliable. He's always been a little bit inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on, Unlike maybe not unlike Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff, but unlike almost any pitcher across Major League Baseball, when Freddie's on, I want Freddie over almost anyone. Since the All Star break, yeah, he's leading in the leading MLB in strikeouts, strikeouts per nine, strikeout minus walk percentage, opponent batting average, whip, win probability added, and war. Quite the impressive resume, 2.38 ERA. And it's in a year where I think right now the overall leader is about a 2.7 ERA across the whole year. So 2.38 ERA is especially impressive given the run scoring environment right now. It's up considering uh, the rule changes and, and what it was, especially think back to uh, maybe, was it 10 years ago, I think, where offense kind of bottomed out the peak of the the pitching era when when the technology hadn't caught up yet on the hitting end. But we're now in more of a hitting era, a little bit different than what it was even a few years ago with the home runs, a little bit more balls in play. But Freddie Peralta is excellent at limiting balls in play, at striking out guys. At even when the ball is put in play, he's excellent at uh, getting the weak contact. He seems to get a lot of pop ups, kind of a random skill. But it seems like Freddie Peralta gets a lot of pop ups, and he was inconsistent in the first half. You we weren't sure. Like we know, we've we've seen Freddie be a good major league starter. So we weren't. I think most fans weren't doubting that he had that in him, but it was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Especially considering that last year he wasn't fully healthy. And then the beginning of this year, he was looking really, really good in spring training and kind of at the very beginning of the year and then just fell off. He seemed like he was allowing a three run homer every single outing, maybe maybe two home runs even. So to see him break out in the second half is is a big development and especially a big development for one that's going to need a team that's going to need him in a postseason series to be uh, maybe the best three starter in all of baseball.
0: Yeah, I think that begs a question, though, that I think is a really interesting one. You've got Burns, who's had tremendous success over the last couple of years, not quite the year that he's had uh, this year in terms of uh, keeping up with his level of success. Brandon Woodruff, who's been very reliable. You know what you're going to get. I mean, he rarely has a bad outing. He's, he's the guy who turns, you know, he's, he's the definition of an ace who has an off day and, and turns it into a six innings, two runs, maybe three runs type of start. Uh, but Freddie's been electric. I'm curious your thoughts. Like you said, you said at this moment, Freddie's the best pitcher the Brewers have. Let's say success continues. All three of those guys pitch similarly across the next month. How do you line up the Brewers' rotation in terms of the playoffs? Is, is Freddie your game one starter, game two starter? How do you, How would you align that?
1: I think I'd have to go with Corbin Burns in game one, considering his pedigree over the past two, three years now. And Even in the second half, I mean, Freddie has been excellent—fifty-three innings, two-three-eight ERA. But Burns has also been very good—fifty-seven innings, two-eight-one ERA, uh, more than a strikeout in inning. Woodruff has come back very strong. Although I would consider putting Woodruff in that three spot, maybe, maybe Freddie takes the ball in Game Two, and then you got Freddie out of the bullpen. I think the Brewers would be a little bit more hesitant. Uh, say, say it's a five-game series. I guess we're. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let's go back to the three-game series. I think you maybe go Burns game one, Freddie game two, Woodruff in a potential game three. I think in a five-game series, you probably do the same because I think the Brewers would maybe be more willing to bring Burns back for game five and Freddie out of the pen in a game five more than bringing Woodruff back on shorter rest given the injury he had this year. Mm-hmm. These are all, all sort of minor considerations, but I think... If Freddie Peralta weren't pitching as well as he were this year, it wouldn't be a question. You go Burns and Woodruff in game two, but I think Freddie has kind of forced the issue where now you're looking at maybe you go Freddie uh, in game two and even think back to two years ago, not like Burns or Woodruff pitched poorly, but Freddie was lights out in game three or was that game four even? And I'm forgetting, I think game three, he went four innings and allowed like two, one or two base runners and they pinch hit for him because they had a big spot with second and third and one out maybe, and they weren't able to cash in and had to go to the bullpen early. Thankfully, they won't have to deal with that decision this year. But Freddie's forced that issue. I think maybe you go with Freddie in game two with given how well Freddie has pitched this year.
0: I really like what you what you just proposed there in the five-game series, assuming the Brewers get there, which we got a long way to go. But I, I really like that. Burns, I, I think you have to start with Burns. He's earned every right. He's a former Cy Young winner just a couple years ago. He's been good. He's been the workhorse. He's pitched more innings than than Burns or than, excuse me, than uh, Freddie and has been excellent too. So I think he earns the first spot. The other reason I kind of like Freddie in game two is Freddie's electric. And like you said, when he's on, he's on. But he definitely has some games where he's not on. And Woodruff does too, but much, much. Less common. And when he does, he's able to minimize that a lot better than Freddie does. So I actually kind of like that option too, because then you don't have Freddie pitching in a game, in a game three or in a game five as a starter, because he could be electric, but you could also have a bad start out of him. And, and I like the more consistency that you get from Woodruff in that spot.
1: The one other consideration that I would maybe have is depending on who they're playing. Uh, it'd be, I guess it'd be too much to like think of the different, situations but freddie is more of a fly ball pitcher so maybe if they're playing a team that's got well let's see game assuming they win the division which is a reasonable assumption at this point if we're thinking to uh, an nlds where the brewers are playing the dodgers or the braves typically the ball flies better in atlanta than it does in milwaukee maybe you go with woodruff in let's see woodruff in game two woodruff's pitching in atlanta woodruff's not as much of a fly ball pitcher and you get freddie back home where the ball the ball flies okay in milwaukee but kind of kind of average whereas in atlanta the ball really flies I, am i am i going too deep into this maybe uh, well, but you got
0: you've got three righties too so i mean wade miley do you get some innings for him? I don't necessarily know how you fit that all in. You do, any. but
1: but but Miley, but Miley is clearly the fourth option there. No question. I don't think that there's really any argument to be made that you have Miley pitch one of the first three games.
0: Agreed. I think that's fair. They've been, they've all been way too good for that. I mean, but Miley's been excellent too. But I, I'd agree. They've all three of them have deserved that, and it's really what's propelled the Brewers into the spot they are. They're currently with a. chance of making the playoffs, according to FanGraphs, which actually surprised me a little bit. 84% chance of winning the division, which also surprised me a little bit, but maybe it shouldn't. The Brewers are up three and a half games from the Cubs, currently six and a half on the Reds, and a 4% chance of winning the World Series. Baseball reference, pretty similar, 98% chance of making the postseason. So I, I guess I hadn't necessarily thought of it quite as a lock at this point. It seems like, barring a major collapse, uh, the Brewers will see themselves in the postseason again, of course. Hopefully, in that division title spot, which will put them in an interesting matchup in the wild card, um, wild card series, and then unfortunately having to line up probably against the Dodgers, right? And that's probably the likely foe they mm-hmm. face.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can say unfortunately, but I'd much rather play the Dodgers than the Braves. The, the consideration you could make is: well, would you rather face? You're going to have to probably beat both of them. Would you rather face? the Braves in a potentially five game series instead of the Dodgers in a seven. I think at that point you're kind of getting ahead of yourself a little bit. There's always a chance that the Braves get eliminated last year. The top two teams were eliminated in the first, the, the, the NLDS. So there's always a chance that, uh, let's see. It would be, so the Brewers are the three right now. So they'd be playing whoever wins a tie break among Arizona, Miami, and San Francisco. But if the winner of, of Philly or, or the Cubs were able to beat the Braves, theoretically, it's an easier matchup. Yep. Uh, I, I think the Brewers have what it takes to potentially beat the Braves or the Dodgers in a series. But the, the Braves are, and Dodgers are still better teams than the Brewers. So I'm not going to say the Brewers should be favored in a series like that. But I'm much more confident in the Brewers' ability to beat the Dodgers than I am in their ability to beat the Braves.
0: Well, especially in a five-game series, the Dodgers have good pitching. Braves have good pitching. So it's not like the Brewers are the only team that have good pitching. But the Brewers we, the Brewers have shown that those top three guys and even Miley are excellent pitchers that are going to keep them in games. And, the, I mean, you talk about you, – you listen to any of the players talk about the playoffs. A lot of it is what team gets hot and which way the ball bounces sometimes. So we saw it in 2021, the Brewers' quick exit against the Braves when they were the favorite team in that division – or that series – so it can happen and the brewers have you know you talk a lot about building a, a roster for the playoffs you can make the case the brewers have or the brewers haven't they have a different team than like the phillies for example who are more star powered but not as deep but the brewers have the starting pitching that a lot of teams necessarily don't have and can win a couple of games real quick uh, even with just scratching just a handful of runs across the board so i think they have what it takes to beat atlanta or the dodgers certainly Atlanta's a tougher opponent and, and I wouldn't necessarily say the Brewers are favored in either of those, especially being the lower seed, most likely. Um, but I think the rotation's pretty set, but the bullpen may be a little bit in question in terms of how many really, really solid relievers they have. Of course, Williams, Pyamps, Hobie, uh, Bryce Wilson. I, I would still put Piguero in that list as well in terms of playoff relievers that are reliable, but Andrew Chafin has, uh, has been the has uh, been the usual suspect in terms of off the trade deadline acquisitions out of the pen, Trevor McGill, Abner Rebe, where would you, where would you put those guys in terms of reliable relievers in the playoffs, which I think is a, a very different question than in the regular season.
1: I think they are. I mean, if we, if we look at, how do you define reliable? Cause Bryce Wilson isn't somebody that I would consider reliable if it's a one run game in the eighth inning, but he's reliable. If, if it's a four to four to one game in the sixth inning or, uh, maybe the Brewers are down by three. He's the guy you throw. I love Bryce Wilson. He's he's. I feel like he's every manager's dream. You throw him out there for two, three innings, and he he's the guy that makes everybody's job run better uh, because of the job that he does. And Hobie, I would trust Piguero. I would trust to some degree. I'm a little bit skeptical of Piguero pitching in the seventh inning of a close game. It's do you have you have Piguero? You have McGill, and you have Uribe in terms of the three righties that are kind of vying for that seventh inning role. And what's interesting is Piguero had it, had the seventh inning role and still for the most part does, but he scuffled the most as of late. Uribe is the youngest and I would say still the most inconsistent. We've seen him have a couple outings over the past month or so where he just can't find the strike zone. And in a playoff game, I mean that that can't happen. So you trust him. Cause I mean, he's got an ERA around two, sub two, maybe. So he's been he's been very very good still, but there is that little thing that that little like thought in the back of your mind: Do I trust Abner Uribe in the seventh inning of a playoff game against the Dodgers? Trevor McGill has been one of their best relievers lately too. Uh, I frankly I'm not really a Trevor McGill believer, but I also haven't watched much of this this recent stretch where he's been pitching well. I've just been hearing about Trevor McGill pitching well, so. I think there's a certain degree of trust output put in all of them. I I almost would trust all of them more than say 2021 Hunter Strickland who had an ERA a sub 2 ERA but the whole year you're kind of thinking okay when is the bubble going to burst? <laughs> and that bubble burst in in the NLDS when you uh well he didn't even really allow that I mean it was like a jam shot single off off the bat of Eddie Rosario but uh, you really you didn't think Strickland was somebody you could trust in a playoff game. Kind of the same with Ashby a couple of years ago. I actually would really probably trust Piguero, McGill, and Uribe over those guys. And I think Chafin is going to turn it around. So I'm, I'm frankly, I'm pretty confident in the Brewers' bullpen, maybe more than most. I'm fairly confident in, in Piguero riding the ship to some degree, where he at least could pitch some innings in the playoffs. I think Chafin could be an X-factor in the playoffs. I think Uribe and McGill could have some sort of role. And when they're not the guys that are asked to get the big outs at the back end of the game, again, barring a Yoel Piamps punches the wall when they're celebrating winning the division, I think the Brewers are in a pretty good spot in the bullpen. And we all know how important the bullpen is in the postseason.
0: Yeah, and again, think about you've got Burns, Woodruff, Freddie starting in some order, starting games one through three, and then you've got Williams, Piamps, and the the handful of pitchers. I mean, Yoel Piamps, sixty games. 62 innings, 2.47 ERA. I mean, he has been decent. really, really good. Yeah, pretty decent. And and Hobie Milner, 2.13 ERA, 62 appearances uh, for him. And Abner Uribe, like you said, he's had a little bit of inconsistency, which does you know, there's a little bit of concern there uh, for a, a playoff appearance in a close game. But 1.77 ERA. I mean, Evan Williams is at 1.74 ERA. Of course, Williams doing it across 54 games as opposed to 21. But I mean. The stuff, you know, is is up there in terms of elite elite stuff, and he's he's been really, really good. So the Brewers have options, and I think the way that the Brewers should probably look at the seventh inning now and probably in the playoffs, especially now, I think could be by committee in terms of who's available, who's gonna be the best mm-hmm. guy, if there's any matchups.
1: They, and they have done that to some degree with Hobie and Piguero. Usually if there are more lefties, they'll go to Hobie. Piguero more righties. Piguero is I I don't know for sure that he has a big platoon split, but I would guess given his his profile as a sinker slider guy.
0: Right. And I think that makes sense, but I think like continuing to do that, especially for a guy like Uribe, continuing to get him opportunities to get as close to a playoff atmosphere as you can get within reason and get his, try to dip his toe in that. I mean, he just came up this year. He was in the minor leagues to start the year. Mm -hmm. Did he start in double A this year? Biloxi. That's what I thought. Yeah. He started in Biloxi this year. And to think that he could be pitching in a one run game in the seventh in LA in the playoff series a big step it's a huge step so mm-hmm. I, I i think the brewers have a lot of options and this next month of course they need to take care of business but they have the opportunity i think to potentially mix and match and feel out who that seventh inning might be and, and solidify some roles coming into the playoffs
1: mm-hmm. yeah and if you look at the brewers compared to i just have the dodgers pulled up uh bullpen wise i mean the the dodgers have a pretty good bullpen they've got their their back three evan phillips bruce dar graderall and caleb ferguson are all very good but i'm not too confident in the other guys they've got a couple guys alex vasia era over five shelby miller the shelby miller got an era of 2.18 this year some somehow they've gotten shelby miller with the low twos era jason hayward has an 816 ops this year the dodgers working their magic on some of the players ryan brazier's actually been pretty good the dodgers have a very good bullpen but i'm not so confident in their rotation so pitching wise, I mean, the Dodgers have a better offense than the Brewers, but the Brewers, I think, match up, not only match up with anyone, but maybe better than anyone in terms of pitching. So I think the, the question marks in the playoffs probably aren't going to be, is the pitching going to throw well enough? But is the offense going to hit well enough?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. I think any team, nobody wants to play the Brewers in the playoffs, but you also could see again, 2021 early exit with the Braves if the offense or the, the three game series in LA, I mean, if we see that, then the Brewers aren't going to have a chance of winning a playoff series. but if the offense can score a couple of runs, yeah, the, I think the Brewers are certainly certainly could be a force in the playoffs. and I think everybody's a little jealous of the high end the high the, the Brewers have both high end talent in pitching in their three starters, Devin Williams, UL Piams. I think clearly all five of those guys are high end pitchers in the rotation and in the bullpen. And then they also have depth, uh, which I don't think any team has that level of star power and depth combined, combined like the Brewers. So we'll see Brewers, of course, like you said, I think the offense will be the bigger question in the playoffs and in the, in the next month as they try to win another NL Central title. The Brewers offense could potentially be better with the addition of Josh Donaldson, who is a former MVP uh, and inspired the trivia question today. But David, what are your thoughts on Josh Donaldson? He's, Kind of had an injury plague year, but of course, an outstanding player, one of the best third basements of the era of us, at least growing up. What are your thoughts on Donaldson and, and what the Brewers can expect from him?
1: I like the signing. I don't know that there should be great expectations attached with the signing of Donaldson. If he can be healthy, which he was, I think he was hurt for a few weeks before he got released and he did make his debut in Nashville yesterday, the third. So he's healthy enough to play. But if he can show that he's healthy enough to play, you know, every day or or most days in the majors and healthy enough to maybe make an impact, I think the Brewers should call him up right now. They're not really getting any production out of third base. Monasterio, of course, got off to that very good start this year. And not too surprisingly, has 658 OPS since the All-Star break. Owen Miller was just recalled and he really has struggled since that excellent May that he had. Brian Anderson hasn't played in about 10, 12 days. So I think that there's not, I mean, Donaldson hasn't been good this year. He wasn't that good last year, but they're also not really getting much from third base. Donaldson seems like someone who maybe still has one more good run in him. Maybe that short little stretch, maybe we're just thinking back to 2015 too much, but I, I think that it's possible that Donaldson has that in him. And There's a little bit more upside in 36, 37-year-old Josh Donaldson than there is in Andrew Monasterio. I think it's worth a gamble if he can show that he's healthy to call him up and not really have any expectations on him but say, here's a little bit of playing time, show us what you can do. And It's a little bit late to be doing that, but they're not really getting much out of third base. So it's a pretty low-risk acquisition. And you get him on the major league minimum, minor league deal. Uh, they'd have to clear a 40-man roster spot, but that's not too big of a deal. Call up Donaldson, see what he can do.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, think about Andrew Monasterio, who earned the right to to get significant playing time, but 658 OPS since the all-star break, not exactly cutting it. But, you know, if only if only we had a, you know, young third baseman who was uh, in the minor leagues, but a pretty good track record previously with the Brewers, and uh, his name was Luis Urias. Uh, I... Should we see how
1: Luis Urias is doing?
0: Well, I know he had the, that, that Grand Slam, I believe. Over the and, and the tag. And the tag. You're right. And the tag shortly after the... 21 Montero.
1: games with Boston so far. Uh, 214 average. 353 on base. 357 slugging.
0: I guess, would you rather, in the last month of the season, if you had to pick one guy to start at third base every day, Monasterio or, or Rias, who would you take?
1: I think I would take Urias, but they, it's not like they gave Urias away for free. So, I mean, sure, he was a, he was an acquisition of a prospect who's not helping the Brewers right now, but he's still an interesting prospect that certainly has, has some value. So it's not like the Brewers got nothing for Urias. I don't know yes. if I'd say I was a fan of the Urias trade. I know you were less of a fan than I was, but I don't know that Urias was necessarily going to be the answer for, for third base in the second half.
0: I feel like, I don't know, I could be wrong. Maybe Blaylock turns into a nice back-end starter. But I feel like we got marginally better in, like, 2025 um, in exchange for getting potentially marginally marginally better, marginally worse now. And and I think the the margin between Urias and Monastero likely isn't huge in the the last month or so of the season. But Urias has more upside than Monastero. Donaldson has more upside than than Monastero. I 100% agree. If Donaldson gets gets some playing time, look good in AAA, why not? give him give him a shot. Monasterio is like I said earned his right to play. He has played has been playing as well lately. So Donaldson deserves a right to get a chance. And he, if he gets a couple weeks and he's not looking good, then I guess we have to go back to Monasterio, but I, I mean he's third base has been a, a major issue. Justin yes,
1: here I can learn third base. <laughs> hey, Ryan Braun make a comeback. Do yeah. you think he could move back to third base?
0: <laughs> I think we could put we could put I don't know can Bryce Turang figure out third base?
1: Well, Carlos Santana played third base back in twenty eleven.
0: Look, probably looks like Miguel Cabrera playing third base now.
1: Probably, <laughs> probably.
0: Yeah, and we Donaldson can catch. Oh, that's right. Came Prospects up as a catcher. Drafted by the Cubs, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So he he was a catcher. Santana when Santana played third base back in. 2014. Even then, he mostly played first base. So he, he played a little bit. He did catch a little bit that year too.
0: Carlos Santana.
1: Yeah, yeah. He came up oh, as a catcher. Right.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, he was originally or signed as a catcher by the Dodgers back in like 1948.
0: <laughs> um, I think it was 04 actually, but close enough. Rounding up, rounding, rounding down. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, this has been fun. Uh, it's been like I said. It's been a while since we. Turn the mics on, and uh, the Brewers have a relatively, I guess, I wouldn't say easy schedule. I think the winning per- combined winning percentage of their schedule is like four hundred and sixty or something like that, so above uh, below five hundred. They've got three at the Pirates and three at the Yankees coming up, so all in the row this coming week, but uh, winnable games uh, certainly. Of course, the final playoff series of the season in Milwaukee against the Cubs. We actually we, for- we forgot to mention this too in terms of like lining up the pitchers. No guarantee the Brewers have the luxury of doing that, so. True. Maybe we did. Maybe we do see a Freddie game one start, and that's not the worst thing in the world either. Um,
1: as long as it's not a Colin one. Ray start.
0: <laughs> we should be good on that, barring uh, major injuries. I think we'd the, uh, he's down the list, I would say. Eric Lauer might even. <laughs> mm. no, well, they him.
1: called up Ray instead of Lauer. Yeah, that's true. To make that start. Ray, I, I think Ray's... I'd rather have Ray than Lauer. I mean, Ray, Ray would go like two and two thirds, one earned yeah. run probably. Maybe <clears laughs> <clears> a like, oh, quality listen. start.
0: Yeah, just start Bryce Wilson. At yeah, that point. <laughs> at this at
1: that point. Remember the uh, game seven of twenty eighteen NLCS that talks about whether they should just start Hater for three innings. Yeah. I'm, I know it didn't really work out. Chasen went two innings, two earned runs, allowed that Bellinger homer. But to be honest, I'm glad they didn't. I don't think that would have worked out too well. Starting Hater, it would have been his first ever start in the majors. Uh, I kind of forgot about yeah. that year with Hater. Well, I didn't forget about it. But that postseason, remember every time it was. Well, the Brewers have Wade Miley on the bump, but a fully rested Josh Hader. And it was like they would list him off with the probable starter because if he was rested and it was a close game, he was going to pitch two or three innings. And the starter was probably going to go less than that.
0: Yeah, that was a that wild true. time. That was fun. That was, it was a little yeah. wild. I agree. The start, first career start, not a great time to do it. And Chassin, was he on four days rest or five days?
1: I think he was on normal rest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would have gone to Chassin there. And he had a pretty good year that year. And they mm-hmm. weren't going to. Expect five or six innings out of them, anyway. So, I don't know. Is it, it? Yeah, I guess it happened. So, let's let's wrap up here. Our trivia question here. I, I'm excited for this one, David. How many former MVPs have played for the Brewers? Again, uh, the caveat being that they did not win the MVP, of course, with the Brewers. So, you can exclude Christian Yelich and the likes out of this.
1: I'm going to go with three.
0: Would you like to name them off?
1: Andrew McCutcheon, Dave Parker, and Hank Aaron.
0: Interesting choice. And uh, Josh Donaldson, of course, being a former MVP, uh, he was, of course, an MVP, but it's not played for the Brewers yet. So we did not include him. Andrew McCutcheon won the MVP in 2013. That would be correct. Dave Parker also won an MVP um, outside of his time with the Brewers. And Hank Aaron won an MVP way back, way back, was it 1957? Uh, Hank Aaron won the MVP, so you are correct. If Donaldson makes an appearance, he'll be the fourth, I guess, Brewer to win an MVP outside of the Brewers. Uh, excellent uh, job here. I'll throw, a, I'll, I'll throw a, a tough one here. Maybe not a tough one for you. Uh, what, what former Hall of Famer has? Been, and I'm, I may be off on this one, but what Hall of Famer has coached for the Brewers? Rod Carew. There we go. Rod. Carew. I, wait,
1: I have a follow up for you. Oh, you're not going to okay. get this. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to say what former MVP other than Rod Carew coached for the Brewers? And he was what, around what, that. What decade? What decade? Uh, 80s. Well, what, he won in 79. He won in 79.
0: Well, sorry, I meant what, what year was he coach? Oh, well, uh, maybe
1: in the 90s or 2000s. I, but not, not late 2000s. It was either mid to late 90s or early 2000s.
0: Yep, I'm at a loss.
1: Don Baylor.
0: Ah, that's a good one. That's Let's a see. really good one. Yeah.
1: When did Actually, he coach? I just remember. I just remember oh, 90 period. and, oh, okay. 90 and 91, he coached the Brewers. oh uh, He was. Uh, I did. That was where he started his hmm. coaching career.
0: Interesting. I, I was just remembering that Barry Bonds was a hitting coach for the Marlins. Mm-hmm. For Yelich. That's yep. like a random. Because he was only there for like. One year. Two years, one year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of bizarre. And of course, the, uh, I, I was looking back, no, no Braves, MVPs, but Brewers have four players who are. Well, Hank teams. Aaron. Oh, true. Oh, you mean Milwaukee Braves? Milwaukee Braves, yeah. Milwaukee Braves. No Milwaukee Braves who won an MVP in Milwaukee, but four of which in the Brewers, which is kind of a, a significant amount if you think about the, the many years the Brewers had as a below-average team with Yellich, Braun, Yeout, and Fingers, each mm-hmm. winning an MVP. Um, and Yount won two, right? Yeah, 82
1: and yeah. 89.
0: Yeah. Did Yount win
1: 82?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there you have it. It's ten ex- war season. Oh, that's right. We were talking about uh, Walter Johnson's 16 and a half war season <laughs> and the uh, Ty Cobb's first MVP, the first MVP award winner Ty Cobb in 1911 uh, with a, over a 400 batting average and uh, ridiculous stat line. Mm-hmm. So that, that wraps up our tri- trivia question for the end of the day. And like I said, it, it's been fun to get back on the mics and the Brewers three game series against Pirates, Yankees, Corbin Burns, the opening starter for that series in Pittsburgh, and we'll have you covered next week as we continue to watch the Brewers hopefully win another NL Central title. This is Peter and David Go signing off, as always. Go Brewers!